0: Welcome to the inaugural broadcast of People to Pieces, and joining me in conversation will be who?
1: Laurie Jones.
0: That's right, as we're going to be talking about the issues of the day, and we're going to be presenting a lot of issues that are out here today that are are kind of controversial, but we're going to be presenting two sides of of the equation. Laurie, was there anything that you were interested in raising or talking about?
1: Well, I think uh, we have a lot of things going on, a lot of important things going on, and one of them that's standing out is the uh, Haitian uh, crisis Mm. and the devastation that the people of Haiti have been going through for years now, through natural disasters, through, you know, attempts to uh, emigrate to the United States. And this is not the first time, as many of us know, with the uh, wet foot, dry foot, situation that occurred many many years ago but um that's 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 a concern of mine and I think it should be a concern of all people um specifically all people of color why well because the the history of people of color all over the globe is something that we should have uh the ability to um look at from a Pan-African standpoint. Um, we should have a concern for our brothers and sisters all over. We should have concern for everybody all over, but specifically um, looking out for the people who have historically not been looked out for. It, it amazes me that people are confused or surprised of the, regarding the difference between the way the... Haitian people are being treated now versus the Af- people from Afghanistan, because there's a history, a long history with this type of a situation occurring.
0: So, Tyrese, so she would say there's no com- no complexion for the protection is what he calls it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. But it's also something that we need to look at because there is a history behind the way people of color have been treated, but there's also history that shows why this has occurred. And if we haven't understood the fact that um, not only does the U.S. have a different relationship with Haiti, a very different relationship with Haiti than it does with Afghanistan, then it, it shouldn't surprise us. You know, we reach out as a country, we have reached out and assisted people that they call their allies, whether it's countries that we've gone in for oil or countries that we've had negotiations with for trade but, but deals.
0: Is, isn't that true for your your analysis or your analogy of relationship between Afghanistan and Haiti? Isn't that the same when, when we talk about the relationship between what we call African-Americans and Haitians? It hasn't necessarily been a warm relationship, has it?
1: Well, the Afghanistan situation is different only because, as we know, we've been there, you know, for decades um, for allegedly trying to bring peace to the, the, the region. And at this point, the situation is very tenuous because of the way that we have exited and the sense of the entire world is looking at the fact that now, you know, the situation in Afghanistan could wind up being worse than it was when we went in there, and there's really nothing we can do. So, th- What, about, what about
0: the situation down in Texas on the border? People are concerned about uh, people coming to this country from a, a country which they have in trouble even to vaccinate their people, all of these, these individuals, these migrants coming into the country and spreading, um, you know, maybe COVID. That's at least what Governor Abbott talked about.
1: And, and that that would be a concern with anyone coming from any country because COVID is worldwide. So, the, so then that the means do you agree with the
0: Republicans that the border should be shut down? Then?
1: No, no, I'm not saying that the border should be shut down, but I'm saying if you're trying to make a comparison between whether we take in certain groups versus other groups, because you have no determin- no way of determining whether or not one group is more um, a COVID um, infected than another group, you can't use that as an example as to why you're turning your back on some versus others, unless you actually have all the data that says, okay, we know that it's it's more prevalent in this country versus this country, and then that's why we cl- we're closing our borders to certain people, but I haven't heard anything of that nature. But what I'm referring to is, let's, let's go a little bit further back in history. The relationship with um with the US with Haiti goes as far back as during the time of slavery. There is a time when the US and Haiti were both against France, Haiti trying to get their independence from France, and the US because they were having um economic issues with the with the um French people. And so the US was were friends with Haiti. That's what changed around once Haiti started having their um, revolts, the slave revolts, and as you know, there have been some successful slave revolts that that we can get into. But I don't want to get too far away from the, the topic.
0: So, so of course, now I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some pushback because we got some information with people that have been responding about this uh, particular topic, and they sent me a, a message, and the message said this: they asked a question. Said so what what language do most Haitians speak? What language do... The, what languages most Haitians speak? French. So why are they coming in? Why don't they go to France?
1: Well, that's that's what we're getting into now. <laughs> the the mere fact that if you and that's why I want to get I want to finish the story about the the historical aspect. The US and Haiti were both against France. And at a certain point, the US became against um, Haiti because the Haitian people started having more slave revolts. And the US looked at that and they were concerned that if the American slaves saw the success of the Haitian slave revolts, there would be more of them in America. And they distanced themselves from Haiti at that point. So if you look at the fact that historically there was a division, between the U.S. and Haiti, where at a certain point, if they're not going there to try the way a lot of countries are going into Africa now for their natural resources or the way the U.S. was going, you know, making friends with uh, certain countries when they're trying to um, um, have oil deals. If you don't have that relationship where from an economic standpoint, they don't see their benefit of um, positive relations with that country or that that that. Um, that uh, um, island. At a certain point, you can't expect the mindset of a, a capitalistic mindset to now all of a sudden become um, altruistic.
0: Laurie, and that's well, why
1: I'm saying I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but I'm saying you can't expect Laurie, it. Lori, we, we're from we're, the in history. History.
0: we're in a, we're in a COVID experience right now where you have you have 10 million jobs that are available and only in eight, eight million people that's unemployed. And people don't want to go back to work because it, because the changing of the economy with technology and the shrinking of different type of service areas or whatever. And now we're going to invite more people into this country to compete with the people that are already here. Here's something that one. Here's something that, that was a statement that was made that I think is very important. I want to read the statement to you, okay? I want you to respond to the statement. Okay. If you break our laws by entering this country without permission and give birth to a child. We reward that child with U.S. citizenship and guarantee full access to all public and social services this society provides, and that's a lot of services. It is any wonder that two thirds of the babies born at taxpayers' expense in, co- in county-run hospitals. This is a, this is a statement pertaining to Los Angeles, but it can be applied to the border county-run hospitals in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, excuse me are born to illegal alien mothers. So we're asking people to come in, to, to to just have, to, to they can have a baby and then, and then we have this whole doctor situation going on where they're saying, well, look, that, that child is a citizen or whatever and stuff. And that statement actually was made by Harry Reid in 1993. So we recognize that this is not a new issue and stuff. And we also recognize That Haitians have been trying to come here just like Cubans have been trying to come here for the longest time. And so people are saying that we shouldn't be letting anybody come here, regardless of the fact.
1: Well, I think it depends on how you want to address the issue. If you want to address it from a humanitarian standpoint, you would look at it from I'm trying to do what's right because we don't want anyone to suffer. Then you can look at it from, like I said, a monetary standpoint that certain, certain, certain countries get preference because there's a quid pro quo. There's, okay, if we do this for you, then we need your natural resources of rubber or, you know, or um, oil or whatever the case is. Then there's a situation like the DACA situation where they looked at it from, we, we had a certain level of immigration at that point that was, um, w- was legal, where people came here. They got their working papers. They, you know, they could be here temporarily. Then they could apply to be here permanently, et cetera. And if they happen to have a child while they were here, there is no sense in in um, in penalizing the child because they were born here by trying so to penalize really...
0: society and its resources.
1: No, well, what I'm saying is that well, a lot of these people who came to the country contributed. To the country. So it's not just drawing from resources, it's contributing resources. You know, we had that argument during the um, after 9 11 when um, certain immigrant workers I think it was mainly um, some of the Mexican workers that were working in Windows on the World and they were trying to get benefits because they had, you know, illnesses or, you know, s- situations as a result of 9 11. People were like, well, you know, these are illegal immigrants, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be benefiting. But no one was talking about the cheap labor that certain corporations had um, um, at their disposal, because they were able to pay people that they could pay less, you know, to work in, you know, kitchens and, and, and things of that nature. So there was, there were decades of benefit that they got from those same individuals that you're now criticizing, um, our our people can or crit- can criticize about taking from the system
0: and we, we and we've um listened to uh, several different uh, videos and podcasts where uh, individuals have talked about why um, black Americans are not really that interested in this particular issue and we're not offering support and one of the things they talked about is like um, Haitians have When they come here, they tend to be uh, anti-African-American. So why should we put our effort into supporting individuals that don't support us?
1: Well, I, you know, I've heard that argument a lot, you know, about people, whether it's from Africa or from Haiti or from various islands, you know, being against us. And I think it's it's perpetuate. I don't know who's who's bringing it up. But I think it's perpetuating the divide and conquer mentality and those Mm -hmm. who choose to join it should seriously examine that situation because over the years, we're constantly trying to divide a group of people, uh, all people of color. And it's interesting because Dr. John Henry Clark used to say, it doesn't matter where the slave ship dropped you off, we're all Africans. And People should look at that statement as one of the most powerful statements said by an educator because the truth in it is undeniable.
0: Well, no one would, is from here. What, what, what I would say to you, Lori, is something that, 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 that um, I, I think is a really appropriate term. Are you operating in a fantasy mode? Are you operating in a fantasy mode? Because we know that there's conflict between groups when they come here. I've personally known people tell me that they thought, and I was lazy and my family was lazy because we were African american Those type of statements were say, said directly to my face, not knowing that the majority of people that that, that were protesting in Afri- and protesting for civil rights were those African Americans from the, from the South, where my mother and father were from, who experienced not what you what people might call historical racism, right, okay? It was where you can go back and you read from a book. They experienced it day to day and know what it was. And so they experienced Jim Crow and all this stuff like that. And to be told by somebody that that just got off of some damn boat that they they can, um, I'm lazy or my parents were lazy, or whatever. They couldn't even survive underneath the experience that my parents went through.
1: Well, I think, I think uh, like I said, I think it's perpetuating a stereotype. There's good and bad just like there's intelligent and unintelligent people in all groups and nationalities. But, you know, and and I'll give you my- So you're saying it's an
0: ignorant comment that these people are making? Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm saying it's ignorant to continue the divide and conquer mentality. And the reason being is because from my personal experience, I'll give you a a specific example in my personal experience. And this happened, gosh, it's gotta be about, you know, maybe 20, maybe, maybe even 30 years ago. Um, I had called in to Kiss FM when they were having one of the um, open line type conversations and they were talking about this very topic, the division between people from the Caribbean and people from um, black, Black Americans. And being an individual born in Brooklyn, New York, being an American with Jamaican heritage and a lot of Jamaican heritage, meaning everybody else in the family besides my sisters and I are from Jamaican. Aunts, uncles, cousins, um, parents, grandparents, everybody else who's from Jamaica We're American born. So we grew up in a, you know, a, a environment we, we affectionately called Jamaican because we know we're American, you know, and we, you know, we weren't born in, in Jamaica, but we've been raised with Jamaican food, Jamaican music, Jamaican culture, upbringing, all of that. So I called in when they were talking about the d- division, making the same point I was making to you earlier about, you know, okay, this is a Pan-African. Uh, I would like to think we want to have a Pan-African mentality to, to join together, you know, but I can tell you that, that people from the Caribbean, they had a, they have a certain sense of pride in coming to the States and working hard until they could, you know, until they can buy land. And he made you made the reference to the whole joke that everybody knows about, you know, ten jobs, you know, yes. <laughs> people from the Caribbean having ten jobs, doing that because they want to buy land. And the response was, "Well, are you saying that American people don't work that hard?" For me, it shocked me because that was nowhere near the reference. The reference was just, I guess, giving a big up to people from the Caribbean to think that, okay, I'm going to come to another place and I'm not going to just live off of the, the environment. I'm going to work hard, buy property, and do what I can to succeed. How did that mentality jump to, are you saying American? Because I'm American. you know, I'm born in America. But immediately, the the the, the um, defensiveness came from one of the the people on the um, panel about that my my pride in the Jamaican side of me meant that there was a negative connotation towards the American, and you, and, and I I really couldn't figure out how that happened,
0: and and. So I've, I've had several conversations with people and I've had people from the Caribbean say the problem with African-Americans also is that you don't know how to deal with the white man. I would always uh, respond back to them that your experience in the all black country versus experience here in America is totally different. This is not something I'm saying. This is what people resp- responded in the conversation. They say that you, you come over here and you kowtow to these white people and while black people are over here trying to resist them. So of course you're gonna succeed.
1: Well, I, I guess it depends on what you think about Kowtow. I know a lot of people, there are people, there, I remember there used to be people saying, well, you shouldn't go and work for the man. You know, they, and, and there were certain people who thought that if you worked for the man that you weren't empowering yourself as, as, as people of color. And there are other people of color who said, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna see how this works and then I'm gonna go off and start my own business. You know, so unless you're in somebody's head, you really can't make statements about people's actions reflecting your viewpoint as to what they're doing. I know countless people from the Caribbean that came, including in my family, who came from the Caribbean, worked for um, Europeans cleaning houses, you know, until they can make enough money to buy property. Now, some people would say, oh, well, that's that's too menial or that's not something that I would do. But that's your what that's a different mentality that you. some people might have looked at. Oh, well, how can you let them degrade you? That's like slavery or, you know, because we're talking about a time period when you were not treated with the respect that you are in, in present day. You know, once you start looking into the 60s and the 70s, when people were still going through civil rights, you know, um, protests and things of that nature, if you were working for someone of European descent, you were treated a lot, very differently than you're treated now. So there are people who were looking at it as working for the man and how could you let them do this or how you can let them treat you that way. And the individuals who were doing that were doing it with the mindset of, I will make whatever sacrifice I need to in order to help my family, or I'll make whatever sacrifice I need to, so that I can bring other people from the Caribbean over and sponsor them, because that was the mentality that they had at that time.
0: Well, we're well, going to well, do explain, whatever we can exp- for Explain people. that. Explain that 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 process you're talking about, Jones. What are you talking well, about? Sponsorship of people.
1: Well, the process in, is sponsoring. Um, originally, was that. You can bring somebody over from an island as long as you can prove they were not going to be a burden to the United States. So somebody would bring somebody, bring a family member or a friend or whatever over from the island. Sometimes they would live with them or you know, they basically, you, you had to say that, okay, I'm going to make sure this person can eat. This person has a roof over their head. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that this person isn't a burden on you. Just let me bring them over. And I know people who've done that several times.
0: Anyone in your family?
1: Yes. My mother's done it several times. My mother actually came over and then brought my grandmother over. And then she brought friends and, and family. And then we have aunts and uncles, and I should say, you know, play aunts and uncles. <laughs> you know, um, we're both real and play aunts and uncles, you know, where there's just friends of my my parents, you know, they either went to right. school within Jamaica, et cetera, you know, where they did the same thing. So that was a, a and, and they made the sacrifices. They weren't, they came to the States, they were making more money than they ever could have made in Jamaica. And so they had enough, to, um, you know, enough uh, wherewithal to want to reach out to their brothers and their sisters, blood related and non-blood related, to bring them over.
0: It sounds like to me what you're trying to say is that the Caribbean countries and, uh, uh, and the immigrants that came to the Caribbean came to America and mixed with the African-Americans and had to develop a, a strong history uh, of, of survival and resistance in this country. And if people go back and they look and you study with some of the brilliant and gifted and talented people that, that came out of the movement, they had Caribbean roots. So to say that they haven't contributed anything to society would be 100%. Wrong. You know, people point to Malcolm X, and we always talk about Marcus Garvey. And you talk about the mentality they talked about was the mentality that said, this is about Black people. So the answer to the question is Should African Americans be involved in the struggle with what's going on with Haitians? Regardless of what the ha- Haitians' behavior is, what should be our behavior, Jones?
1: Our behavior should be one of. of- looking out for all people of color, one of, of Pan-Africanism. And, and I also want to make the point again about the the situation in Haiti with some of the successful slave revolts that were going on. And those were things that set the, set the site for Americans to realize that they should be, up, you know, there should be more um, of an uproar over slavery, that they shouldn't be accepting it and we do have our, our, our a lot of famous people in america you know that had su- successful slave revolts but one of the other things that you'll learn historically is that some of the the reason that some of the, the most successful slave revolts were in the, that were happened in the caribbean was because the caribbean did not separate families as much as they did in the united states when people were brought over from africa you, you, we know, we constantly see the things about, um, you know, the, the mother being pulled, the child being pulled away from the mother. and the, Because they actually had people who studied and said, look, if you allow them to maintain their culture, if you allow families to stay together, there's more of a chance of communication. They actually separated people, um, in, in Afri- African enslaved individuals, because I don't want to call them slave. They separated them from... Um, particular tribes, so to speak, because they wanted to make sure that you had less of an ability to communicate and and thus less of a a opportunity to create um, slave revolts. But they didn't do that as much in the Caribbean, which is why that happened. So even if you wanna look back at that, you would say that even Americans who are descendants of slaves here in America, have uh, uh an obligation or should have um a a degree of da- of gratitude over the fact that there were people who were giving us a blueprint to what eventually became enough of an uproar to the abolitionist movement and and, and one the, the eventual end of slavery
0: one of the most powerful speeches that i ever heard in my life has been um Ozzie Davis uh, spoke at my, at my school. And it was an event that was all white. Everybody in there was white. And I happened to have a sister that let me stand in the door to listen to him. And what was his presentation that he gave? He talked about the Haitian revolution and the power of the drum. And when, by the time he finished, I felt proud to be black and it, you know, and he made it clear of the interconnection between America and Haiti and Africa and the Caribbean and how we should be proud of of that and not to, you know, not to be divided by, by all of this other stuff that goes on. So, but I want to talk about something else that has been going on in, in the world of track and field. And and um, this young lady, uh, Shikari, uh Richardson, with her uh, continuing c- continuing back and forth that's going on between uh, her and some athletes from from Jamaica.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> something that's taking taking away from what should be discussed, you know, in terms of the sport and you know the the. Um, the success of any of them individually, as well as the fact that when she Shikari Richardson was prevented from participating in the Olympics, rather than band together and discuss the right, whether the, you know, there was a valid reason for something like this, or if it was was discrimination of some sort, or whatever, whatever talks about the sport and the issues around the sport now became a back burner to the internal feud between the Jamaican athletes and, and Shikari Richardson. And that's another thing I really don't understand. It's, it's, it's again, perpetuating that divide and conquer mentality. And it also is perpetuating that reality TV type mentality, in my opinion.
0: Well, I mean, we, there, we, it, it'd be, it, it would be crazy not to recognize that there's a difference um in culture and experiences but that doesn't mean we can't experience we can't recognize that and not be respectful um shakari richardson is still young and i sometimes i i, I say to myself we, we use that as an excuse because there were older people that was in a life that should have been able to teach her properly to um, address and be respectful to other people. When, like the comments she made to Usain Bolt, you know, about when he said, well, you should train harder and then let your performance uh, do do the speaking. She pushed back against that uh, 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 and tried to be insulting based on you know, uh, the stuff that was going on in Twitter. So, I mean, ag- again, um, it's, it's ignorant to say that there aren't differences between different groups, because I can tell you there's a difference between people from Barbados, from, from, the, from Jamaica and from Guyana. And there's subtle differences in, in just the way they cook. And I love all of it, to be honest with you and stuff. Um, and I'm a, and I'm a quote unquote Yankee, right? <laughs> I'm a quote and, unquote Yankee.
1: And there should be. I mean, the, the, the differences between groups are you know, the cultural differences between groups are things that should be celebrated. You know, there, there's, there's a reason why, you know, even with language, you know, um, customs, um, cooking, like you said, music, you know, all of that stuff, those are to be celebrated because they're very distinct amongst the different people from the, the, the various islands. But they're also things that the commonalities are the things that I keep trying to get back to are the things that should be um, concentrated on. You know, we're not saying you should be like me. But we're saying that there are things that there are experiences and um, historical situations that we should be celebrating. That are the commonalities, you know, and, and hence the word Pan-Africanism. You know, there's 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 a brother by the name of there was a brother by the name of Richard Moore. I think it was back in the 1930s that made the a comment the that the name of the people should relate to a land, a history, platform. and a culture.
0: And do not necessarily uh, represent the opinions of the participants.